You can't fake culture. Just because you put stuff on a wall, on a poster, and talk about it at a sales kickoff or a success kickoff doesn't make it so. And so I think there will be businesses out there where their culture will be tested. On the other hand, I think that it's those values is what should ground you and bring you and bind you together. Gainsight presents the Game Changer Podcast with host Adam Joseph. Hello, and welcome to the Game Changer podcast brought to you by Gainsight. That clip was from today's guest, Jonathan Corey, co-founder and CEO of Precursive. Today, we're talking about why customer success is now more important than ever, how to empathize with customers going through tough times, how company cultures thrive in remote environments, and trends Jonathan's uncovered through various interviews. And now, your host, Adam Joseph. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of the Gamesight Game Changer podcast. I'm Adam Joseph, and I'm the director of customer success at Gamesight. Now, as some of you may be aware, over 2017 to 2019, I recorded about 40 podcasts under the name of Customer Success Conversations. And on those pods, I was joined by a number of guests from all over the world and all levels, from entry-level CS all the way through to CEOs. And we discussed really the fundamentals of customer success, such as what it is, workflows and processes do you need to think about, whether you work at a startup or an enterprise business, the role of technology, and and so on and so forth. And those were great. But in these podcasts, I want to focus in on topics that are equally as important as those fundamental ones, but are really top of mind at the moment. So in future episodes, I'll be joined by some amazing guests to talk about topics as diverse as the impact on your mental health when working in customer success or returning to customer success after extended maternity or paternity leave. But more of that to come in the future. However, in this episode, I'm going to be discussing something that's really highly topical right now, which is the the new remote reality in customer success. I think Many people, such as myself, who are in customer success thrive when I'm around my colleagues and visiting customers. But at the time of recording this podcast, so we're in May 2020, we're all living with the restrictions of a global lockdown and having to adjust to a new normal, both in our personal and professional lives. Now, this can clearly have both positive and negative connotations. On the positive, it's great seeing more of my family and not spending hours commuting in and out of the office or flying out internationally. But it's really hard to be disconnected physically from my colleagues and customers and also blurring the lines between my home life and my work life. So today I'm thrilled to be joined on this podcast by Jonathan Corey, who's the co-founder and CEO of Procursive, to talk exactly about that. Jonathan, a very warm welcome to the very first episode. Hey, Adam. Yeah, great to join. Didn't realize I was going to be number one, so it's all downhill from here, but yeah. I thought I'd just keep it as a nice surprise for you. (laughs) (laughs) Super excited to join. So thanks for having me on. It's brilliant. I'm really appreciative of your time. Tell us just maybe 20, 30 seconds. Tell us a bit about you and Precursive for those people who haven't heard of you. Yeah, sure. So about me. So I'm Jonathan. I, I live in London, married with two kids, retired DJ. So prior to Precursive, I worked at a US advisory firm called CEB, which had a subscription 
information business and then they spun out a professional services division which was exited to Gartner and following that co-founded and helped set up Precursive where we believe that the best companies help customers to realize value quickly leading to customers for life. We're a software company and our products are used by our customers to help them manage and improve their customer onboarding, project management, and professional services automation, all typically on the Salesforce platform. So that's a little bit about me and my checkered history. Fantastic. And now I have to ask, you were a DJ, right? So did you have a DJ name or were you just DJ Jonathan? Uh, yes, we did. Uh, we actually had a name and a night. So a friend of mine who is actually set up a restaurant called The Oysterman in London, Matt and I, were our DJ name was The Gun Runners. And uh, the night that we had was called Vice City. So there's a lot of flowery shirts, Magnum PI looks and, and all of this sort of sort of business. It was a lot of fun. Now you're making me wish we had this as a podcast and not a podcast. So I just have to <laughs> digitally imagine exactly what that would have been. Brilliant. Well, look, thanks again. Clearly, we're at a, a really interesting time right now, not only personally, but professionally in the, in the world of, of customer success. With all of the challenges that COVID-19 has brought, do you think now customer success is coming to the fore universally? Are you seeing some of the opposite trends? Or if you if you are thinking it's becoming, from an organizational perspective, even more important, why, why might you think that is? I think it's pretty telling when you see the amount of changes in messaging from some of the world's largest companies. I mean, if you take Salesforce, for example, seeing the word maintenance in their messaging for the first time and customer success being a, also a significant term and strategy being talked about now, I think it's kind of like the new sales is... It sounds weird to say, but it's the place to be now because everyone across different industries has been looking for these recurring business models. The SaaS model has been adopted across numerous industries outside of technology. So for a lot of businesses, you're, you're likely right now generating more revenue from your existing customers than you are from new customers. Of course, there are exceptions to this. I'm sure if you're Zoom or Slack or whoever, that might not be the case. But I think over the last years, the cost of sale has been increasing in, in certainly the B2B markets that we operate in. And you've got longer sales cycles. And so those two things are continuing. And the volume for new business is going to be down significantly for companies in 2020. So I think making the most of what you've got is critical. And this is really where customer success comes in. So I think everyone that I talk to and, and our customers are software companies, telecoms businesses, professional services firms, customer success is very much at the heart of their strategy, either if they're new to it or, or they're old hat. It's, it's, it's what they're living and breathing right now. Yeah, I mean, it's something that certainly I'm seeing at Gainsight as well, whether I look at usage of our, or our solution, which is clearly around helping organizations keep and grow their existing business. So from what I'm hearing anecdotally and what I'm seeing on the data as well would also support that. Yet conversely, I've also seen a number of people in CS being furloughed or laid off, which is so counterintuitive to, to exactly some of the themes that we're talking about. Just have you got a view in terms of why you've seen some of that in terms of seeing some CS people being furloughed right now? I think from what I've seen, it's a little bit dependent on kind of where those companies operate, right? I mean, we we have customers, for example, that operate in travel and their business didn't just slow down, it just stopped. So it's somewhat understandable 
for some of those businesses to look to furlough staff very quickly. My wife works for a small events company and she's been furloughed. So with regards, though, to the CS community and what's happening there, yes, it's counterintuitive if people don't really understand the value of it and don't see the value of it. So for some companies, if they're doing it as a knee-jerk reaction, it'll come back to bite them, I think, certainly within this financial year and almost certainly next year. Because a lot of the time, CS and indeed professional services teams, they're potentially plugging some of the product gap for a lot of companies, right? Mm. They're helping either companies where your product is maybe a little bit too complex or the UI is a bit, the UX is a bit clunky and or the reporting engine needs a little bit of work. That's where, you know, CS teams can come in and do some of that training and adoption. I mean, those are very simplistic examples. But there's also a role there around like ensuring that you're aligned to the strategy of your customer right now because that strategy is changing tremendously quickly. And so not having someone in the business that's aligning to your customer strategy and just hoping that your product or your service is going to be good enough is a little bit short-sighted. I think that's kind of my take on it. I mean, you raised a great point that now more than ever, we need to be close to our customers. There's certainly increased focus when it comes to customer success. As new business, obviously, it's really tough. I've got enormous gratitude for anyone who's in a sales role because it's really tough, right? And a huge amount of respect for them. And especially in the global downturn, it can be really hard to get those new business deals over the line. So ensuring that we keep and we grow our existing customers becomes even more important. So with that increased focus comes a lot of increased pressure as well. And I think being in the role that we we are in customer success and trying to manage this new remote reality and manage the work-life balance is really difficult. So for those CS professionals out there who could be struggling with some of that with this increased pressure. What would be your advice to them to ensuring that they're working proficiently, efficiently and avoiding burnout? It's a very good question. And I love the way you're using my term, the new remote reality. This is because it, 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 it is right. It's a, it's a very new reality that we're all dealing with in our personal lives and our professional lives. I think the first thing I would say about that, that balance and that burnout, the, the number one thing is the role of the managers and the leaders of a company to set the right culture and the balance because we don't live to work. It's the other way around. And I think the people that work in CS, and I think a lot of the people that work in, in tech are very diligent and are hardworking. So I've been interviewing people that run customer success organizations. I interviewed Nick, your CEO, last week actually for, for our podcast, a little plug there. And Nick's a big proponent of this like human first approach, which I, I really agree with. So I think it comes from the top number one of like communicating to the team that it's okay not to be on all the time, right? An example of this actually is we're attending your, we're sponsoring your, your Gainsight conference and we're attending it, right? So we got some of our folks from the UK, like one of our people is stuck in Dubai, right? So they're, they're, they're even further ahead and they're staying up really late to participate and get involved, which is great. And it's like, look, it's fine to have a lie-in, not start, take a few hours off in the middle of the day. I don't care. Just do what you need. Like, You've got to make sure that it's okay that people understand that. I think the other thing I would say is, like, are you focused on the right stuff? Like, As anyone in, in a customer success or a customer-facing role needs to be thinking about, right, okay, my time is as valuable as my customers, in my view. 
So am I focused on the right things on helping customers to achieve outcomes versus potentially just being some form of white glove support person and I'm firefighting all the time? I also think learning how and when to say no is really important because you need to be able to stand your ground even in this environment in the right way because that really is the key to becoming a strategic and trusted advisor. The moment I, I want to jump in there actually because I think in, in my experience, people within our industry, within customer success, sometimes aren't great about saying no. I mean, one of the reasons right. we're in this job is because we want to try and help. And sometimes we want to try and please. And that can sometimes be a great force for good, but used the wrong way. Obviously, it can be a force for bad as well. And you end up just taking everything on your on your shoulders and, and that will lead to kind of working long in the evening. Now, that obviously isn't just a, a current thing. That's something I've noticed from a while. But I think one of the key things, reasons why I've seen people really struggling to keep up and burning out is where just saying yes to too much and actually feeling the confidence and the ability to say, it's okay to say no, as long as you're doing it for the right reason. And I think the more that we can reinforce that, the better. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's like, and it's all about how you frame it, right? So if you're if you're speaking, like if I'm working with you and, and you want to go a direction that is not a good idea, you know, what I, the, the worst thing that you can do, number one, is jump in, is let the client get out what they need to say and say, look, I understand what you're saying, Adam. I, I've taken on board what you're saying. However, I want to suggest a slightly different approach, which I think will get us to a better outcome. And it's my job working with you to ensure that you maximize your investment in both your time with us and also us working together in partnership. So I want to, I'd suggest we go in this direction because it'll get you to better outcomes for these reasons, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that I think that that reframe is is something that that I think people need to be trained on, if anything, and and understand how to do on a regular basis. I mean, you also mentioned you've got a very disparate workforce right now. You've got people yep. all over the world, and we do. Um, that can be great from a, a global coverage perspective. But obviously, one of the things that can really suffer is your your culture when you don't have all people in one place, which clearly none of us do at the moment. We're all, we're all remote and we're all disparate. But clearly, we know one of the things that is so important to organizational success is having a positive culture. So in this kind of new remote reality that we're in, how do you marry those two things up, having everyone all over the place, but also trying to have a, a culture that breeds positivity? Good question. So, I mean, we were predominantly a remote-based team to begin with. We have people in the UK, in the USA, Dominican Republic, Poland, Spain, Germany. So in a, in a number of different locations. So kind of culturally, we were used to working remotely. Actually, though, one of the things originally before this all happened was I was very big on people switching on their cameras and mm. like having face-to-face conversations virtually. <laughs> you kind of go against that now because everyone's sick of looking at themselves in the mm. face. I was going to say it's ironic given we're on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I think you can't like fake culture. So I think what will be probably happening quite a few companies right now is like their value system might be being found out. Because just because you put stuff on a wall, on a poster, and talk about it at a sales kickoff or a success kickoff doesn't make it so. And so I think there will be businesses out there where their culture will be tested. On the other hand, I think that it's those values is what should ground you and bring you and bind you together. I try to reference them internally on how they inform my decision-making in very specific situations with customers or with the team because it reminds the team that we're not just making this stuff up, right? We're not just 
We didn't just do a Google search, pick 10 values that we saw that we liked across different companies and then tweak them a little bit, right? We, we thought about them and worked on them and sharpened them over time. One of ours is assume good faith. That's one of our key values. And when people join, the first conversation I have with them is about the values and the culture of the business. And I ask them, because I'm not generally the first person that they've spoken to. I definitely would have interviewed them. But I ask them, from what you've seen thus far, are you seeing some of the values that you've read about before you've joined the business? And they'll say, typically, actually all the time, they say yes, which is good. Now, in this environment, I think that value, for example, has helped bind us together more than ever. Because what you find is, because you're doing stuff, less stuff face-to-face, you're oftentimes relying on the written word. And that can be misinterpreted. People can write something very quickly and people interpret it as this person's angry with me or stop being shirty with me or whatever. And, and so like things like Slack and Teams and whatever, they can actually be dangerous weapons when used the wrong way. Yeah, you know, I love what you said there about taking your company values off the wall and actually they've got to mean something. And you're right, Gainsight, Nick's always been really, really keen on the human first approach, which is one of the reasons why I was so keen to join Gainsight originally. But I think every company has its values and now they really are being tested. And maybe what will come out of this actually is a new set of values and a new way of looking at the world. I, I often get asked, when do I think things will go back to normal? And I think the normal as we knew it before probably won't exist anymore. I think we're all going to have to adapt to a, a new normal. If I think about the, the the amount of digital transformation that I've seen over the last kind of two months has probably been what I'd normally see over two or three years. Um, even what you might consider old-fashioned type industries. You know, I've got friends in the legal profession who working from home was, was just a big no-no and now it is, they can't ever imagine not doing it. So I do think we, we're all adapting to this new normal. But I think given, I mean, again, Gainsight is a business uh, was has always had a disparate workforce and has always encouraged that. So I think we were probably in a good place in order to try and, and move into this new phase of our, of our professional being. But for some businesses, no doubt, this is really new. And some people listening to this may, may be struggling a little bit just to find that balance between being, being on at work and being at, uh, on in terms of their home life. So given that you've been doing this for a while in your team, what have, what, what have you found that really helped to, to kind of keep that balance the right way and make sure you're, you're not overdoing what, one side of your life or the other? So I'm constantly making promises to my wife about what hours I'm going to work. So mm-hmm. I said two days ago, I'm going to do nine to five, right? I'm going to be doing nine to five because I'm notorious for getting up very early in the morning just because I wake up and I start working at 5.30 and then the kids get up and we have breakfast and then I, after they start school, I work again and, and work through till a normal finish time. Mm-hmm. And so she pulled me off on it this morning. She was like, well, you're working. 7 30 in the morning you're working so i think i think you kind of have to set some stuff out for yourself in your own mind about what you're going to do and vocalize it to people around you that care about you if 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 it's friends if it's family and get them to hold you to account right because i think it kind of that starts with yourself in terms of how you can balance like the work from home the productivity piece i think this whole back-to-back calls thing it's got to stop for everyone. Like I, I've already killed it. I've tried to kill it in our business already because I was chatting, to, I was interviewing Sean Smith, who's a VP customer success at Aperio, who you know as well, great guy. Yeah. And he, he said, he's like, my, main, my brain feels like mush because I'm not taking a break. And I was like, it, and, and when he said that, I, I felt it as well. 
And so I just changed my whole diary the next day. And I've said to the whole team, don't do back-to-back calls. Don't do back-to-back things with customers if you can avoid it. Give yourself time. If you have to have a block like where you're working you know, back-to-back for several hours, give yourself a break and get up and get out of wherever you're sat and, and unwind, right? Because it's not going to be healthy to be working this intensely for, for such a long period of time. Other little hacks, play football with my kids while talking with my team. So I've got a three-year-old and a five-year-old, so we kick a ball around and I'll just be on my hands free. With I'm very lucky that we have a garden, so I do that. I'm not sure I could handle that level of multitasking. (laughs) (laughs) And one app at a time. Right now, we're on, what are we on? We're on Zoom and that's it. That's the only thing I have open. And when I'm talking with one of the team, I've only got whatever I'm talking to them open. If I'm doing something like a presentation, I've only got that thing open. I used to be one of these people that had 3 million tabs open and it just... I think it's it kills your brain. So one app at a time. Shut off Slack so you don't hear the dick dick or whatever it is. You know when you're talking to yeah, people. Yeah. It's just it's just we live in this world where it's like information overload. So I'm oh I'm man, to I'm, I'm, I'm just glad you can't see my worktop right now because I'm from the entire <laughs> version of everything you said. But I am listening and I have made notes. And just finally, you referenced that you you've been interviewing several yeah. people, and it's great to hear some of those really tactical takeaways that I and I'm sure others listening to this will really follow up on. But are there any other general trends or things that you've heard that you'd be happy to share that I think people will find insightful? Yeah. So, so what kind of how this came about for people listening? If that hopefully there's there's more than just you and I, Adam. I so, so, w- so one of the things that I started doing as a company we're very lucky we did our our first series oh our, our series a this year and so what i wanted to do was basically spend a lot more time with customers talking to customers i already did that but wanted to get a real like feeling for like the underbelly of what's happening right now and i think there's a few key themes that have come out from the businesses that we work with i think one is there's a real focus around like what I would just, well, what someone else called sensitive communications. I get emailed some stuff that is just so wrong in terms of like how they're trying to link whatever it is that they're selling or promoting to COVID. So I think companies can get it really wrong. The ones I think that are getting it really right are putting out there to a customer to say, look, we're here to help. They may not even care that you've emailed them. They may be under much more pressure in terms of their personal life, their job, their business. But the fact that you've just said, hey, we're here to help if you need us. We recognize we might not be the most important thing, but we're here. Yeah. I think that's like that simplicity and that sensitivity is really important. And well, so I, I hear think, a lot about that. I, I think just being empathetic anyway, it's always been a core quality of someone in a customer success role. And, and what you yeah. say just really echoes that. Yeah, no, I, I think that empathy, like, like I said, you either care or you, do, you don't, right? So I think the people in companies that genuinely do so the companies that develop cultures of people that really do care about customers and society and their colleagues and all of the rest will, I think, do the best in this period. Another key theme that's coming out is TTV, time to value. So one company that I was talking to, they said, look, normally we'd be onboarding like 100 customers right now. At the moment, it's 40 So the importance of making sure we set those customers up as quickly and effectively as possible is many more times important than it was before. Because before, if we hadn't have done it very well on 
10% of those, we could, we might see year one churn and okay, we're not happy about it, but we can live with it. Now that really, really hurts us. So I think that's that, that customer onboarding, making sure that that's as tight as possible, the first 90 days being much more important now, I think, than they ever have been. And then the other thing is capacity planning, actually. So I think companies have started to realize that before they could sort of put a finger in the air or they had an intuition about, I've got this team, I've got this volume of work, we've got these customers, I can assign people to projects or to work in this way. But I think now because they're being works being pulled forward, other stuff's being delayed, other types of works coming in, they might be doing a freemium model. You've got all of these dynamics. And so actual like capacity planning, which has traditionally been much more of a professional services type discipline and skill, is coming into CS as like an organizational capability that they really need to have there. Because as you say, You've, you, time is such a valuable commodity, but people are working so hard. And actually, can you deliver more output because you're working from home? Well, probably. But that isn't necessarily a good thing if you're going to see burnout in your staff in, inside of a month. So I think that capacity planning and how to get that time back is, is another key theme that's, that's emerging. Fantastic. Well, look, that probably nicely wraps up today's pod i guess the only last question i've got is given your history as a dj if we were going to have a song to play us out or a floor filler which what was your go-to record oh here we go don't say the grease mega mix not the grease mega mix oh you put me on the spot now so i've got to come up with something good i don't know who the song would be but i'm a big fan of the dj purple disco machine so any any tunes that purple disco machine has remixed are generally amazing he's a guy from germany who's awesome he wears well, a lot of flowery shirts as well, like like we used to back in the day. So well, you're talking to a guy who tunes into Mellow Magic. So I've got no idea what you're talking about, but I'll, I'll go and Google <laughs> it afterwards. That's fine. That's fine. Any street cred I had has now disappeared, but I don't care. <laughs> cool. Everyone's got a guilty secret. <laughs> well, Jonathan, brilliant. Thank you so much for being part of this. I, I've taken even the notes from from this, and I'll, I'll be certainly implementing many of the advice that you've given us, and I'm sure many of the people listening in would as well. Thanks again for your time. Keep safe, keep well. Yeah, you too, Adam. All the best. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gainsight Game Changer podcast. Please follow, rate, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about all of our episodes, please visit Gainsight.com. This podcast is produced and edited by StudioPod. To learn more about their work, go to studiopodsf.com.